Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. And there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 65 of the No Encore Music Podcast. I am joined by my boy, Craig Fitzpatrick. What up? And I'm joined by my other boy, the returning Dave Higgins. Gentlemen, good to be back. Welcome back, sir. You're filling in for Cullen Morrigan, who has jetted off to the sun uh, for yet another holiday. Yeah, constant holiday, that shop. Constant holiday. Is he in Norway again? Green day. Yeah. He's in Norway again, of course. Is Norway the sun? Yeah, because... Oh, um, it's constant sun right now. Yeah, yeah. Constant daylight, yeah. Mm. Really bad young adult novel. Are we all upset that we weren't at Arcade Fire in Wheelands last night? No, I'm actually delighted I wasn't <laughs> yeah, there because it looked like a fucking miserable experience. I was like, oh my god, they're so cool. I was like, no, they're really annoying. And I will say that on Twitter today, they uh, did a thing where they basically took the piss out of Telly Bingo, which was very funny. I can only presume that they were lounging in their hotel room somewhere in Dublin and they were flicking through the channels and they put up 40 seconds of like Telly Bingo interspersed with some kind of mad Blade Runner fast synth line that they put over it. Ostensibly, I can only presume to take the piss out of Telly Bingo. Oh, so really? It was won- specifically Irish Telly Bingo that they were. It's really funny. Yeah, it's a clip okay. of Telly Bingo. With right, them, fair, fair, we'll like, mad like butter, 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 synth over. And so. the made funeral. So you yeah, know, we can't slag them off too much. Neon Bible's good, and then after that, the band died. There's some good songs yeah. on the suburbs. I have to say, yeah, right. with that. But yeah, they showed up in Wheelands last night, and everyone was like, "You had to be there. It was a moment. It was a moment when they played some shit new song, and then Win <laughs> DJed with the support band for a while. Give me a break. Win seems a good guy." 
Does he? So? Yeah. I'm just basing it on the fact that he plays in the NBA All-Star. Or so the celebrity <laughs> game every year and he's quite good. Yeah, his and he's into, apparently are, he's into like ping pong and stuff as well. Like he's very competitive, I think. Sorry, his post moves. Yeah, apparently uh, when they were playing in Belfast, he, uh, him and a few of the lads got like a pickup game up in, a, in some hall in Belfast somewhere. So I've got, I've got time for a win. What you need to know about Dave Higgins, ladies and gentlemen, is that when Colin Regan's not here and Dave Higgins comes in, the wrestling quotient goes down and the basketball quotient goes right up. American sports enthusiast. That's that's my, my, my line, isn't it? It's on your business card. But last Friday, you were a different kind of enthusiast, as was Craig. Yes. When we went, and you want to talk about enthusiasts, man, you could not take the grin off my face. We went to see Dillinger Escape Plan in the Academy, and it was amazing. <laughs> Shock horror. Dave loved every second. You I had several it. moments. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys were standing, or Craig was standing behind me. You were, you were elsewhere. Your I, position, was, I was on the balcony. Yeah. Yeah. Which getting. is prime position for what would happen later in the show when frontman Greg Pucciato climbed on top of the speaker stacks onto the balcony of the academy all the way around and then dove into the crowd from the top deck because he's a madman. Yeah, I think he stole that move from um, Giannis of Foles. <laughs> I he did that in the I Olympic don't think he, he did. did. No, <laughs> this, is, this is a guy who, when he when he first joined the band um, at, at the Reeds, uh, Leeds and either Leeds or Reading, yeah. Um, he took a shit in a towel and threw it in the crowd and said, this is what you're going to be watching for the rest of the day. So, I think he stole that <laughs> from Hot Chip, to be honest. They were doing that in <laughs> Oxford classic. years back. <laughs> He's mellowed since then, a little bit. Now, let's set the scene. Uh, Craig, as you know, huge fan. You got to see me go through a lot of moments. Was there a lot of moments in particular? No, it was just kind of nice gazing out. Actually, that sounds weird. Gazing, gazing over at you every now and again, and just seeing like your kind of your little face all wrapped and being like, "This is brilliant." <laughs> and it was. It was a really good gig. Um, I was kind of a late attendee, and I'm really glad I went. It was it was great. Yeah, I loved every second of it. They were phenomenal. Prancer as an opening track was one of the greatest things I've ever heard. Milk Lizard was unfucking believable. They could have played for you know another two hours, but obviously they probably physically couldn't. And I would have been happy. Dave, you saw them earlier in the year, in January, in Nottingham. I did, because when they first uh, announced this, which is essentially they're done now once this tour is over. So uh, once I saw that they weren't playing in Dublin, I was like, ah, oh, I'll go to my beloved Nottingham. So I went to see them there. And then <laughs> inevitably uh, they <laughs> were involved in a, in a car crash in Poland. So they ended up having to uh, cancel that part of the tour and doing a new tour. And this is why the Dublin gate, uh, date got added. But... Um, yeah, they were phenomenal boat nights. Um, I think maybe a bit better in Dublin, although there was some songs that they didn't play. Didn't get Mouth of Ghosts, didn't get um, Black Bubblegum, which was kind of a shock. Cause that that's was quite like, surprising, that's, yeah. That's, if you can say that Dillinger Escape Plan have a hit, that's the hit. Like, even I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> but there was no uh, Balcony Dive. Ah, well, there you which go. Which is... I hadn't, I've seen them four times now, um, and I'd never got a Balcony Dive, so... Three from me. I think that was the first balcony dive, but he's often dove into the crowd. Oh, they're just so good. I had such a good time, and I actually reread over my interview that I did with them again last Very year. Very good interview it was too, and it was great to kind of yeah, it was great to kind of like like read up on them again and just kind of like I've made peace with them making peace with them retiring as a band. But uh, seriously, I mean, look, they're not listening to this podcast, but if they are, thank you so fucking much. You're maybe my favorite band ever. Jesus, yeah. it was amazing. As for Nottingham, what's the, what's that about, Dave? Your love for Nottingham. Well, I I think I've mentioned before I used to be a Nottingham Forest fan, so yeah, I've been, been to Nottingham. Honest. I've been to Nottingham more times than I care to. <laughs> until been American to sports came along. <laughs> yeah, until <laughs> Well listen, until we all know Dillinger are disbanding specifically because Gene Simmons declared that rock and roll was dead. True. They were just like, Okay, 
Gene says, everybody out, it's finished. Um, but in the, in the news this week, Gene clearly thinks there's some like money to be wrung out of the corpse of rock and roll because he's attempting to trademark the devil horns rock hand gesture, according to reports. Of course he is. <laughs> Of course he is. This, this is the most Gene Simmons story ever, and I feel like we say this most weeks. This is we do the most Gene old story. man wants some attention story ever. Like, surely even in his warped brain, his makeup-strewn grey matter, surely he's like, you know what? This isn't going to fly. Ronnie James Dio once joked about him on a metal documentary that Gene Simmons would patent literally anything. The orange juice that they were drinking in his kitchen at the time, I think, was the example. And even he was like, you know, he's pretty much credited for, like, you know, bringing it to the masses and in a 2001 interview he said look I doubt very much if I'd be the first one ever did that that's like saying I invented the wheel I'm sure someone else did it at some point I think you can have to say that I made it fashionable maybe I use it so much and all the time to become my trademark but uh, not good enough for Gene Simmons who reckons it's his well yeah I actually took to Wikipedia to look at the history of oh, the hand deep, gesture yeah yeah just for no encore and apparently Buddha used to do it back in the day in India so I mean, it's even older than Ronnie James Dio. And his music was better when he took the make-off off as well, yeah. Um, but no, there's so many people that pop up doing it like way before Gene. Uh, John Lennon, Van Coven had it on their album cover. So listen, this has been going on forever. John uh, Lennon doing the devil horns. On, on, the f- on the cover of Yellow Submarine, a kid's song. I don't know. This is just Gene trying to <laughs> commodify anything he can. I mean, Kiss are probably the most ridiculous band when it comes to um, things they've tried to. Yeah, <laughs> everything, everything from condoms to coffins. To they've coffins got the whole, to uh, yeah. the Kiss camping set. Okay, <laughs> camping with a K. <laughs> kiss Co- wine. Condoms with a K. Coffins with a K. The Kiss Klux Klan. Oh, no, hang on, that's something else. What is the actual? Okay, so it probably is just an attention-seeking, like keep my name out there. Of course it is. What what like practical purpose could having that trademark serve? He says he wants to use it for like. Live performances and entertainment, but what he's what got, he's got his, he's got the crosshairs set firmly on Facebook because of WhatsApp and the emoji. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, that could be lucrative. Every time you drop one of them, you got to pay Gene. Didn't Gareth Bale try and trademark his like love heart symbol thing that he does whenever he scores a goal? Yeah, for a fashion line or something. Yeah. People were like, you can't do, you can't that. put a pattern on love, mate. <laughs> Now I did read before there is a comeback song. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Uh, I did read before there is a thing where actually when you look at these cases, it's like if you use that gesture and then have it somehow affiliated with Kiss, then he can come after you, or like Gene Simmons. So it's not literally like he's he wants that gesture all to himself. But still, fuck Gene Simmons. How magnanimous of him. Yeah, fuck Gene Simmons. And you know what else? Fuck Glastonbury. <laughs> Glastonbury's coming up. The festival I will never go to. The one, Like, you know, if it took Body and Soul to break me last year, and again, because of the weather, not because of the fucking festival itself. Great festival, yeah. Blah, blah. Glastonbury's coming up, and I'll be looking forward to watching select performances on my laptop at some point. But yeah, this is the most Glastonbury thing of all time, isn't it? Um, I really feel like I don't want to come down too hard on people trying to be harmonious, especially given recent events in Manchester and things that are going on in the world. We do need a bit of love and support right now, for sure. Well, but that's, that's big of you, Dave. <laughs> I'm magnanimous myself, yes. much like Gene Simmons. I think I'm the Gene Simmons of no encore. <laughs> uh, so listen, Glastonbury gig goers are going to try and do the biggest human peace sign ever. Presumably Ringo Starr came up with this fucking idea. I, I rolled so hard when I saw this that I genuinely thought I was having a stroke. Well, in fairness to Ringo, he's the only person that I've ever seen say peace and love in a really aggressive kind of cool way. Like, do you remember when he decided he wasn't signing anything else from now on? He's just like, I'm warning you, with peace and love, peace and love, but stop sending me stuff. That was quite funny. But yeah, this is the most kind of Glastonbury thing 
ever really isn't it it's like you know peace to all people unless you're a black hip hop artist that wants to play the pyramid stage and then we have to start a petition to get rid of you hot take yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god studio on fire over here uh, I presume Gemma Carney will be involved in this on her usual ramble about the set and how everything's so amazing yeah, I don't know. Glastonbury's one of those festivals where I'm just like, listen, you know, fuck off. Stay there. Stay there in your peace sign. Go away. It's just a nightmare. I've never been. And I think it would actually break me as a human being completely if I went. It looks horrible. I mean, it's far too big. <laughs> it's the size of a town. Yeah. It's far, far too big. Like, I I had trouble with, I think I went to Oxygen once for a day and I was never happier to get a lift out of it. But, like, something on that scale, it's just like, I don't see the, the appeal of it. And this, I mean, as you said, you can kind of... People might have the right idea, and it's it's a is on one level, um, you know, a nice gesture, but then it's also like this incredibly solipsistic, just like <laughs> loving with everyone that ha- is having it with themselves, and they're like, oh, I'm part of this, I'm single-handedly making the world a better place. It's pagan nonsense is what it is. <laughs> well, it, that's kind of Glastonbury's big selling yeah, point know, now, yeah. isn't it? Like, in an era where it isn't, like, the biggest festival around, there are kind of bands playing in countries the whole time. It's kind of, they're trading on this, oh, mystical stone circle, the druids were knocking around here. It's like, remember U2 played? And Bono, like, just doing his kind of post-show interviews, he was just like, oh, yeah, there's something cosmic, man, like, the, the ley lines, you can feel it. And I was just Celtic like, Jesus. you say? Does he have the records of Celtic Soul. <laughs> he does. The organiser of this is not Ringo Starr, but it's a lady by the name of Beth Llewellyn, who is the organiser of the Peace Garden. She says, Peace starts within ourselves, and Glastonbury Festival really is built with the power of love from the whole crew. So when I was working on a new part of the Peace Garden, and I saw a drawing of the peace sign in the soil, I thought, why don't we get together the fields and make this sign around the stone circle with people whose intent it is for peace and not to be threatened by the few. We're just doing it for love. I'm really looking forward to it. And I have to say, piss off, Beth. In other kind of um, news related to people that Dave clearly hates, um, James Corden <laughs> has done this kind of... As I'm part of an, alone on that as one. As part of an interview... Uh, he is a bit grating. As part of an interview with Katy Perry, apparently he's got this kind of thing he does called Spill Your Guts or Fill Your Guts, which is just horrible. Rolls sounding. off the tongue, yeah. Yeah. Um, where essentially you have to answer any questions or else eat like, just dreadful stuff. Katy Perry was asked to rank her celebrity ex-boyfriends, Orlando Bloom, John Mayer, and Diplo. Can we please use my headline for this segment? <laughs> oh, sorry. Diplo takes bronze in Katy Perry's Sex Olympics. Thank you. I um, thought Diplo's fuck game is weak was better, but... <laughs> <laughs> Family show. <laughs> what? That I'm knocking back a can on for the first time in quite a while. And you kind of, yeah, gave it away there. Um, Perel Diplo came third. Uh, John Mayer, number one, which is going to be great for his ego. Really needed that. He really needed that for himself, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, completely. Like (laughs) that's like I was like, of course he's number one. Yeah, Yeah. Orlando Bloom in second. Obviously, the first decent performance he's ever put in. Yes, beautiful. Hey, listeners, can you all please stop what you're doing and stand and applaud Craig Fitzpatrick, who I presume was working on that gag all day? No, it just came to me. All right. You're just, you're just a savant. <laughs> um, I mean, this is a dreadful kind of nothing story, really, isn't John it, Mayer, by the way. Can, I, <laughs> can I just say, I'm going to justify his conclusion with him, that John Mayer's guitar work on Frank Ocean's Saturday Night Live performance of Pyramids, yeah, I feel like I've had sex with him. <laughs> and it was amazing. <laughs> Jesus. I was a bit surprised that James Corden didn't include Russell Brand in this list, considering that's the one person she's actually been married to, and he's like famously... Mr. kind of tantric yeah yeah Mayor strikes me as a tantric man <laughs> he strikes me as a creep <laughs> I tell you he's into some fucked up shit yeah I think they think those things go hand in hand well Diplo's laughed it off with a couple of tweets he has to yeah, be fair to him 
Uh, whereas Sophie and Stevens, who was not on the list, and we should say that we're not alleging that there's been any kind of uh, sexual contact, sexual congress, my, my favourite <laughs> phrase, that doesn't they engage in sexual congress. Yeah. Um, well, we 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 really turned into you know some kind of weird TMC. Yeah, yeah. We, oh no, come on, man, come on. We're like, slightly better, not a little bit, a little bit better. They do some, they do some good work, hard hitting work. Hard hitting, you say? Okay, <laughs> Sophie and Stevens uh, has decided to weigh in on Katy Perry's new album, which, by the way, I listened to. Yes, it's called Witness. It's fucking terrible. Oh, is it okay? Oh man, it's really bad. I mean, like you know me, I'll give Pop a go, and I'll you know even kind of someone like Katy Perry, where it's like you know what, maybe it's not as bad. Blah blah blah. It is appalling. It's so bad. It's so trend chasing. It's got nothing. The lyrics are so bad. Oh well, the, like the last track we we reviewed of hers, Bon Appetit was just, with Bon Amigos. Appetit was yeah, cringy in the extreme. Uh, so there's if some. If line, it's more of that, I don't want to hear. It. There's some line about like you know how she's always been afraid of change, but lately she's been flipping coins. See, I wish I liked her music because, like, she's Taylor Swift's nemesis, and I feel like I want to. I'm oh, rooting yeah, for her. Sorry, she yeah. also seems like a cool person. That like, was when yeah. it when it came out, when it was released. Yeah. Uh, the like the the midnight. It's out on Spotify. Taylor Swift put all of her music back on Spotify. That is the most political cutthroat move I've ever seen. It's pure Machiavellian. More political and cutthroat than anything going on in the British election. I was like, this is unbelievable. That is pure Machiavellian. And yet, further confirmation that Taylor Swift is in fact a cyborg. But Sophie Stevens is weighed in on his Tumblr. Why does Sophie Stevens have a Tumblr? Because everyone cool has a Tumblr. Do it's him. Don't. It's Frank Ocean. Who, I'm telling you. Cool all the... right, listeners. Don't, <laughs> don't put down that tweet. What I would say is... <laughs> does Frank Ocean have a Tumblr? Yeah, that's, okay, well, yeah, fine. that's literally his only <laughs> internet presence. everything was coming from yeah. for... Records. I just read the pitchfork tweets. Of course you do. Condense <laughs> the Tumblr. Go on, what did Sufjan say? He talked about... He kind of started this thing where he said, all respect, all caps, but he said, Lord have mercy, in relation to a line on the record where she says, your words are like Chinese water torture. I think he was trying to relate to her on an artistic level because he'd previously used a line about Tuesday night at the Bible study on the hauntingly beautiful and also hauntingly haunting Casimir Pulaski day off 2005's Illinois. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't tell if he's taking the piss out of her or if he's... No, doing- I think he's like an upbeat kind of like wants to get involved with any creativity this kind is of guy. that you're talking about, right? Like, well, you know, you know a, this. Yeah, I mean, musically, <laughs> I think he gets out the awfulness, you know, in his kind of lyrics. But no, he seems like someone that's really kind of unabashedly enthusiastic and non-sarcastic on his... <laughs> Sorry, that just rhymed and it freaked me out. Um, but yeah, I think he was being genuine about this. And he kind of related to her in terms of, I mean, she's a big kind of Christian upbringing. He did as well. He said we were probably at the same Bible study together. So I literally just stuck this in because the first part of this Katy Perry story was so horrible. that I was just like, we need some Sufjan... So- Kind of innocence. Okay, I'll swing it back. I'll swing the pendulum back the other way. Uh, she did like a live stream thing of her <laughs> kind of in a, like a therapy session or a live stream of her going about her business on her weekend to promote the record, and it was described as like so honest, like painfully honest. Her most painfully honest thing she's ever done. Described by her publicist in a press release that was sent out to accompany this live stream. It's been a pure disaster for Katy Perry, and the fourth record ain't no good. Nor was the third. Time to hang it up, I think. Because you know what? You know what? She's never gonna get. <laughs> She's never going to get the highest honour in the world, which is to be knighted, I feel. you know, yeah. like, like, Wouldn't that be the highest honour in the world if you could call yourself sir or dame or whatever it is? I don't know. Our Republican audience might I am clearly joking, Republican <laughs> audience. Stay with us. It's a gag. Yeah. Purposes of a link. The link being that Lars Ulrich, everyone's favourite, has been knighted <laughs> in his native Denmark at long last. How do we feel about this as, a, as the Metallica fan in the room? Yeah. Dave? 
this kind of surprised me that he hadn't been knighted already. This was what I was like, thinking. Like, who, who is being knighted in Denmark yes. ahead of Lars Ulrich? Like, like, the 92 Euros team. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, big Peter Schmeichel. Hans Christian Andersen, probably. Uh, like, is Mads Mikkelsen in there? Oh, I hope so. He I should be. So. Bridget Nielsen. Yeah, that's a fair shout. Lars von Trier. No, not no. a fair shout. Uh, Nicholas Winding Refn. Yes. I'm just naming Danish people now. <laughs> the Ham- Danish. <laughs> Hamlet. The food item that is called a Danish. I don't know. Oh, but. he was a prince already, and he was fictitious. Yeah, it is. It's bizarre. He's been around since the 80s in a pretty big way, and he's only just getting this now. The annoying thing about this story is that it's kind of like a weird, like, oh, this apparently happened a few weeks ago, so there's no ceremony that we know of, there's no quotes. I want to see what Lars would say. I assume he'd, you know, be very humble about the whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about the Danish royal family. Like, is this a kind of? Will people in Denmark be kind of like outraged that he's gone establishment? I mean, they probably already hate him because of the Napster thing. But if they didn't, because you know the way, if it happens in Britain, people are immediately going, "Oh, the Queen shouldn't even be there. It's ridiculous. Why would you bow down to royalty, fight the power?" Maybe the Danish royal family are kind of cool? I don't know. I think this is a week where, unfortunately, no encore is hindered and hampered by the fact that our Scandinavian resident, Colin Regan, is not in the room. So with that in mind, we'll get off this story before we offend any further people, apart from Republicans, 14-year-old girls with Tumblr. The Danes. The Danes. Uh, I'm sure there's someone else. Uh, the, the Peace Garden. Uh, but hey, they're all about peace, so I'm sure Gene I'll be... Simmons. Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons. <laughs> oh, what, what a very combative episode this is. Before we get to the Songs of the Week, which is upcoming in just a moment... We had a big, big week for Songs of the Week. It was actually very, very hard to get it down to just the five that we're going to go with, because a lot of heavyweight names, interesting tracks. So falling by the wayside amongst them all, of course, was Nickelback. We were going to do a Nickelback song, but we're not going to do it. And, you know, it was weird. It was a weird song. First minute of it sounded like it was off the Twilight soundtrack, and then it became reliably Nickelback by numbers. I feel like you're doing the Nickelback song. I'm <laughs> not. I'm not. <laughs> I just want to say, I'm not <laughs> going to play on. a snippet of it. I just want to, and I'm going to exercise my, my right to not play a snippet of a Nickelback song. Thank you. Because Dave Higgins uh, did his own investigation his own journalism oh shit went deep deep in the comments okay the so youtube comments dave, dave sent me the, the the link for the nickelback song played it once i i want to say i even listened to it. i was like a, a journal reader i was straight in those comments i wanted to see <laughs> what the people were saying about nickelback i wanted to know what people what do nickelback song, uh, fans say about them yeah uh, what makes them tick what does make them tick um well apparently to, apparently according to uh r.i.p clamiel one <laughs> I love how Nickelback get less hate but love nowadays. A fan since my father introduced me to rock in 2006. Can't believe it's already been 11 years. <laughs> it has been a long time. <laughs> so that was just a taste of it and then... And Lots of uh, come to Brazil and come to Venezuela, I presume, right? <laughs> yeah, essentially. Uh, uh, the, best, the, the best comment I got, though, was uh, from uh, Spetsnaz Army 2, which says... <laughs> fantastic name. Uh, Chad, we need a child from you. Please find a girl. And have a baby. We want another you. <laughs> Jesus. Nickelback fans, everybody. <laughs> a terrifying upsetting. bunch. A terrifying bunch. I've walked among them. You know, I've been there. Oh, yeah. So, Went to that yeah, gig, man. I yeah. totally forgot you were at the gig, and I was just like, that's a very strange lots sentence. Lots of bandanas and bootcut jeans and thousand yard stairs. Was there lots of uh, people who were just like bringing their daughters there to Yeah, because <laughs> one, of their, them up to the- one of their daughters kicked over my pint. <laughs> and then the guy was like, sorry, man. And I was like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. We're all in this together, aren't we? We're all going to die someday. So listen... Um, with that in mind. <laughs> with that in mind, it's the songs of the week. Uh, you know what we should do? We haven't done it in quite a while. Let's do our random number game. Dave Higgins, as our guest, you get to pick the first number. Four. Okay, doke. This is Everything Everything. It's called Can't Do. I'm loving the bass. I'm loving the bass. 
Okie doke. And I'm going to take the baton off you and pass it to Craig Fitzpatrick, who argued for the song's inclusion over other songs. And I think you're a fan. Are you a fan? I am a bit of a fan. I've interviewed him before. Lovely chaps. Um, I like. It's always interesting to hear what they do. I or can't do, am I right? Oh, shit. <laughs> Should I pass the mic to you? Because like you're dominating it. I think I've done enough. Um, <laughs> I mean... <sighs> With this song, I, I'm not sure I really love it, to be quite honest. Um, I mean, it's got a decent hook until I realise that it's being repeated so much that I can't help but be suspicious that they're just really trying to force it. And it's not actually that good. And it is kind of more of the same everything, everything thing where they do a kind of uh, talking head style, agitated dance rock thing. And at their very best, they kind of put you on edge and they give you kind of an energy to feed off of with that. But when they're not quite hitting it, it's just a bit uncomfortable sounding. And I think it's maybe the latter category for me. Uh, so it's not bad, but I'm just not really digging it. This did nothing for me yeah. at all. Um, yeah, I found it incredibly busy, but yeah. with nothing really to, to, to latch onto. Uh, particularly the end is just like a kind of a really off-kilter solo kind of yeah. and the outro that I just I don't know what's going on with it um, I don't have a lot of uh, history with them so I'll take your word for it that, the, that there's better out there but um, yeah no yeah I mean everything everything are like to me that they kind of all fall into the same bin as Django Django oh no they're far better Foles Foles are good a bit of, <laughs> bit of early old J we established in the last yeah, episode that better. I like the new record yes quite a bit um, yeah, it's just kind of like Yelpy, identikit British indie, isn't it? Like with a bit of a like quote unquote edge, which is about as edgy as a butter knife. Uh, it's fine, it's yeah. grand. I agree with you that it sounds like a loop, kind of. I I was in no way annoyed or offended by this, but I did find it incredibly disposable. And sometimes the songs of the week, I mean, like especially on day like today, when you're kind of like stacking them up, and there's lots to get through and lots to listen to. And also, listener, uh, for your listening pleasure, we are doing two albums this week for album review. A uh, lot to listen to. So this just didn't stick in the memory. Yeah, I mean, maybe it says a lot about the state of I'm going to say, British guitar music, but I've saw a lot don't, of people. Please I don't. know <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to go down that route. But I saw a lot of people being like, "Oh, well, they're clearly the best band in the UK right now." Now, I mean, Songs of the Week has a band I would put up ahead of them, but certainly I think they're, they're held in a certain regard at this point, and they haven't really released a bad record as yet. And they kind of have. Like, they're very kind of cerebral. Um, that probably puts a lot of people off. But I think when they do nail it, they can do kind of things that some of the bands that you named can't quite do. But this just doesn't work for me. Fair summation. Give me a number. Uh, give me number one. Okay. It's the best band in Britain. <laughs> this is the horrors. They're back after three years. The song is called Machine. Yeah, I believe we said that before in the Hot Press offices, Craig. I was like, are these the best band in Britain? Like, are they actually like, you know, like, why aren't they recognized as the best band in Britain? It yeah. feels like they're the best band in Britain. So, are they? They probably are. I mean, I think them and maybe Wild Beasts, I would have as my personal favorites at the moment. And certainly, the last two records, I mean, with Primary Colors, 
it felt like okay they're actually they they move it was such a shift from this kind of weird disposable goth rock give us a give give us a polite history of the horrors for anyone who does not know who they are okay so they arrived this will be good for me because this was the first song i ever listened to by the horrors oh you're in for a treat i hope so they arrived in like 2006 i want to say as like the enemy's new favorite band and they were in very tight jeans and they were talking about like you know alistair crowley and you know gothic stuff and doing 15 minute sets in really posh kind of london clubs and just everyone kind of hated them, I think, that wasn't in that kind of indie set. No, I actually liked some of their throwaway songs there. It was very disposable. And their second record... Primary Colours. Primary Colours was just kind of something else. Caught the attention of Trent Reznor at the time. Yeah. And on the then-closing Nine Inch Nails show in 2009, they were on the sport bill, along with Dillinger Escape Plan. Best gig ever, I would imagine. Give yeah, my fucking right arm to be there. Now, kind of when you revisit Primary Colors, now it does. You kind of do realize that it was maybe more of a case of them getting better influences, and you can definitely go, okay, that's them doing that band. Oh yeah, tracks like Mirror's Image yeah. and See Within a Sea, of course. But they also did lead to the steps that they took. I yeah, think. I mean, Skying and Luminous, their last two records, have just been improvement on improvement. I think, and they've really kind of carved out their own identity whilst being very kind of experimental within pop and just they've really risen up as this kind of exceptional band really. and as a live act yeah. as well we've seen them a couple of times yeah, like, in that run and they've been excellent uh, I'm a fan like I'm an underbash fan I think they're incredibly compelling and interesting this song it really really did it for me like this was like smoky sexy industrial their kind of brand of pop gorgeously put together it had me from the moment it probably it was probably always going to to be fair I do love this band mm. I don't think they're infallible of course but this one had me and it got its hooks right into me and I, it was kind of like nice as well the whole kind of horrors Dillinger non Snails kind of connection coming the week after Dillinger in the Academy and kind of saying goodbye to them having the horrors come back in and kickstart themselves obviously a new album hopefully on the way this was exactly what I wanted and I found it very compelling and hypnotising Dave Higgins I thought this song was fantastic yeah um, the intro just Phew. when that kicks in it's just like pure joy and um i don't know if there there are songs are like are there choruses that anthemic that you just like yeah 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 which is, which is weird because when you say goth and you say industrial it's not necessarily the first things that you would be like oh yeah they know how to, to write a chorus but yeah it it's was, just so it, engrossing it's weird i mean they've kind of they're like simple minds if they were channeling better like more experimental influences so yes the choruses are there but it's also surrounded by bits that sound like can and blah 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 and they bring a lot in um yeah this did sound a bit kind of 90s though didn't it, it had some... in a good way though I think. yeah i think in a good way but it was definitely a departure from but they've kind of had i mean like, like, yeah they've kind of had that stone roses thing a little bit like you know like if the stone roses were actually really good i got a bit of primal which scream. they're not by the way yeah there's yeah. a bit of a scream there just so you know the stone roses are not good first yeah, record is putting great. that out there Fool's Gold, whilst a rip-off is a good track. Making that statement. (laughs) Made of Stone's a good track. Let's not get caught in the bloody Stone Roses. But yes, very good. Delighted to have them back. I love this song. Dave Higgins, number? Um, Two. Okay, now here's an interesting one. The Killers are back, out of fucking nowhere, and this song is weird. It's called The Man. This song is not what I was expecting at all. 
And I found myself being like, is this really fun or is it brilliantly terrible? I'm still not sure. All I know is I like it. Yeah. I, I, like, I, it should make my skin kind of crawl. I mean, it's like them embracing just like absolute kind of cringe. But yeah, I mean, the chorus kind of works. It sounds like they're just going all in with the ridiculousness. It sounds like at the start, it sounds like either NSYNC or like Britney Spears is crazy. I'm going to make a couple of comparisons before I throw to you, sir. What I'm going to say is this. I think it's fitting that when we reviewed Rob Williams' album, we discovered that one of the tracks in there was written by the Killers because it felt like, well, this is clearly a very Killers by Numbers track. This sounds like Brandon Flowers wants to be Robbie Williams, circa like the peak of his powers. And it sounds very, very, very similar to the last great Muse song, which was on The Second Law in 2013. It was called Panic Station, and it was Muse's best example of them trying to be Queen because they, they shook off the po-faceness, yeah. and they were like, you know what, let's just have a bit of fun and be tongue-in-cheek to the fucking extreme. This song goes there maybe a bit too much. I don't need the cash register sound effect, for example. Yeah, and there's like b- bottle po- corks popping and Over stuff. Over a guitar solo. Yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of the whole deal, I guess, yeah. here. Like, I found this infectious and fun, and actually, I think this does a much, much better job of what Arcade Fire's Everything Now is trying to do. That oh, kind okay. of disco throwback, show. kind of, you know, like, you know, let's just have a bit of fun type thing. I found this a delight. <laughs> yeah, it, this song is absolutely pompous. Like, you mentioned all the, the, the additions of, like, cash registers, champagne popping. Um, it seems like the lyrics were written by Ric Flair. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and if you, like, take the chorus and every line, if you throw a Ric Flair woo, it just sounds like he's cutting a promo. So, um, yeah, I... I was expecting this song to be terrible, but it's so much fun. It's just like it, they they know they know what they're doing in it. It's it, there is a tongue in cheek element to it. I, I hope so. I hope they're not being candid. I hope no, this has to be tongue in cheek. Yeah. I mean, so if, in that case, like I'm I'm happy to see Brandon Flowers have a little flex to himself. Yeah, totally. Is, is it him kind of taking on the character of maybe your typical Trump? type character or Trump voter I mean there's like, like I'm the man with the tan there's had kind to of, ruin yeah. it didn't you yeah, I know had to ruin the song I, that's what I was going to say have if I, I ever praised a killer song in such like if regard I, if I overthink it I think he's do, trying to do satire and I know for a fact that he's always like adored the Pet Shop Boys and the likes of Bowie and stuff and when he's tried to do that in the past it hasn't worked so I really just want this to be a kind of fun throwaway thing rather than think he's going the, the album that surrounds it is going to be a big statement do you know what I mean? Well, I sincerely hope not. Yeah. And I did find myself thinking, will this be an album, all of this? Would that be a bit much? Probably. But when you said the, the idea of taking on a character, I'd actually be really happy if he did, but not that character that you yeah. just said. I have a lot of time for Brandon Flowers. So Flatters. do I. Yeah. I think he's a good, he's an underrated songwriter in term, in the pop kind of sphere of things. And I don't know. He's it's... also managed to main, remain vaguely mysterious, despite being in one of the biggest bands of all time. At least, at least of the last 15 well, years. Incredibly well, I'm, young as well. Is he he's, still young? He's only 35. Fuck off. So like... Hold on. Yeah. Can't be. Lads, look. Twenty. When you bring me on, I go deep on the wiki. So (laughs) I do do research right there. (laughs) Um, Fuck. Yeah, thirty-five. I was kind of blown away because I just because it's such a ridiculous song. I was like, oh, it's It's that Mormon faith, man. Yeah, yeah, because like they released the greatest hits about like two or three years ago and it felt like are the killers just done he's going to do a solo thing they felt done I mean like yeah. that, that album Battleborn when it you, got kind of but decent who, reviews who ever talks about it ever yeah this I, is the thing it felt like redundant it's like killers don't need to exist anymore so maybe this is kind of like them being a bit more fun them just trying just going all in with the kind of bombast yeah I respect yeah. that and I hope for a good album I'm actually intrigued by it which I didn't think I would be until this morning two numbers to go Craig Three, please, David. Okie doke, here's a collaboration. It's all twins and James Vince McMorrow. It's called Alone Together. Still 
James Fitzgerald recently got a lot of praise on this podcast for his most recent record, True Care. Dave, you were not on that episode. What did you think of the album? Um, I really dug it. Um, I like that he's kind of constantly pushing out what he's doing and kind of the the music that he's wanted to make. Um, yeah, I I still haven't haven't listened to enough to kind of know where to put it in the canon, but. Um, yeah, it's very good. All Twins were a band that we have reviewed on the podcast about last summer, I suppose it will be, at this yeah, stage. Their debut well record, enough. which we weren't fans of. No, I mean... It, it was more t- that we were frustrated by it, as opposed to... There was a to lot of like good craft in there, and we're massive fans of the pair of their previous work. So Cast it just wasn't what we were looking particular, for. Like. Shank. Yeah, of yeah. course, yeah. But like, this is obviously a more commercial-minded band, and, you know, cool, don't begrudges, go ahead and play big shows and make money that's cool but the album I just felt didn't really support that and maybe it's because we heard half before it came out and I just kind of felt that they peaked with the first song Thank You which I still think is fucking great and yeah I mean I don't know I just kind of don't really this band don't really like my world on fire I was intrigued by this particularly by the collaboration and the fact that there was some new material coming out what do we think Dave? Um, I'm not the biggest fan of it Um, it kind of like our feelings kind of towards All Twins it doesn't seem the sum of its parts at all Um, Mm. Uh, James has done really good stuff on on guests. Like he's kind of lended his voice out to a lot of people uh, in a lot of different areas. Like um, No Ceremony, and great Japanese, song, Japanese pop stars, and Drake, <laughs> <I suppose>. <laughs> Drake. <laughs> and Drake. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, this doesn't really do for me. Uh, I have never kind of really warmed to All Twins. Um, it kind of builds well, but the chorus is kind of a bit of a chore. And again, it's kind of a strange, weird tacked on solo at the end that just kind of wasn't doing it for me. Yeah, I mean, it's that Tropicalia, it wants to be a summer hit kind of vibe. Um, and like, again, it's well-crafted, um, but you can kind of see or hear every beat that's coming. Like, it seems like it's, you know the formula and it doesn't really surprise you. And it kind of makes sense that as artists are working together because they have a lot of shared influences and stuff. But the end product is is you're not really hearing the kind of uniqueness of James in any way. It just seems like you can't really distinguish between either of them or what kind of qualities they're bringing. It just sounds like a pop song. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it seems like they're really, with the chorus, they were really trying to, to write a big, yeah. like we talked about, how easily the horrors seem to have write an anthem that shouldn't be an anthem, but this one it was, looks like they, they were going for it and it just it didn't really get there for me. Yeah, I mean, like... <sighs> It's tough, because I mean, like, I don't want to call this band cynical, I don't think that they are, but I think that their moves are calculated, for sure, and that's fine, I mean, like, you know, if you want to be commercial-minded and you want to be, you want to graduate from playing, you know, small, intimate shows to big festival shows, you got to have the sound to back it up, and I think they do, but it's just not really doing it for me. This song, I think, it feels like this was like, this is like, okay, right, we want to break into a new market, we want to maybe try the UK on for size, and we need to do that with a declarative statement. James Vincent Morrow very good vocalist get him in like you know do do something with him and i think he's good on this but i just don't think it has anything i don't think it really it doesn't even feel structured it doesn't even feel like a proper song it just feels like get to that chorus and whatever and like you know belt it out and play on a radio i i can't find anything in this i can't find much in this band and i wish i could but i just can't it's a sound that's kind of like so everywhere at the moment that to make it like to really stand out you need to just like hit on a kind of again like a melody or a chorus that is you know which is like obviously the fucking hardest thing possible to do i mean how many people can do it we're going to be talking about an album later 
um, from a band that have been doing this kind of sound for a while, um, but can kind of just do that effortlessly, I think. We'll talk about that later. But yeah, with this, it's just like they're striving for something and they're not quite hitting it, I don't think. True. I would agree with that. And what I would say is, speaking of bands that were in for a long time and have kind of, you know, shown us how to do it, Queens of the Stone Age are back to close out the speaking songs of the week. They have an new record. It's called Villains. It's produced by Mark Ronson, which is an interesting choice. Hmm. I wonder what that's going to sound like. Well, let's have a taster. This song is called The Way You Used To Do. So the album's called Villains. They've announced a three arena show in November. Tickets are on sale next week, I believe, next Thursday. So if you're into that, go along. Now, before we get to the song, I want to discuss something. And you know what it is, Dave. I can see the look in your face. So I put up a poll on Twitter, and I've asked my followers to get involved and say, what is the worst song title? Is it from Metallica's album last year, Man Unkind? How dare you, that's a great name for a song. Or is it of this upcoming Queens of the Stone Age album, Unreborn Again? <laughs> At the moment, Unreborn Again is winning by 10%. I feel like Man Unkind win- wins because it has a capital U and a capital N. Did you include that? <laughs> Which is just like, I did. Man Unkind. Oh shit, I thought it was just one capital U. I, I, I've completely no. screwed it up. I'm <laughs> pretty sure it's like, Man Unkind, get yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, you you paying attention up there in the back? At least uh, the music's good though, which is something you can't always say for latter day Metallica. Friend so. of the show, Doc, he chimed in on that one. Yeah. And said, that's just dead. It just means dead, lads. Come on. Well, listen, I'm a big fan of Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, they've made some terrific records. I really liked like Clockwork. Um, I remember at the time I reviewed it, I gave it like 7 out of 10 on revisits. It was probably more of an 8. It was a bit uneven, but like the high points were really, really strong. And they had a good kind of crunching, gorgeous sound. So you're kind of a bit like, oh. I mean, Mark Ronson's a very good producer, but you're anxious that maybe he's going to drag them in a direction you don't want them to go in. This is crap. <laughs> I don't like this song at all. That's my point. <laughs> it's rubbish. It's absolutely terrible. Um, <laughs> so... Um, Think about Queens of the Stone Age albums of past, and this is the first track on their <laughs> album. So you, you're thinking back, and you're like, "Oh, feel good here this summer." Uh, Millionaire on Songs for the Deaf is mm-hmm. like definitive statements, and you bring Mark Ronson in, and within three, I think three seconds of this song starting, there is like a Super Mario video game noise, and it's like, so that's what we brought Mark Ronson in. They need to like sail this out into the ocean and sink it. It's garbage. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Cullum, never come back. No, I'm kidding, Cullum. We love you. Uh, Go on. What do you think, Dave? I'm very fickle, Craig. Yeah, I think this is awful. Uh, I used to love Queens of the Stone Age. I really, really did. I loved the first record. I loved Rated Aura. I loved the third album as well when it came out. I remember, like, you know, the hype around that time. Very sad story. Sidebar for a second. I had uh, tickets to their show in The Ambassador, uh, which was to trail um, Songs for the Deaf. And... It got sold out pretty quick. My mate didn't buy a ticket. It looked like I was going to go on my own. I lived in Drada at the time. And I was offered so much money for my ticket. Like, it was like gold dust to go to this gig. And on the day, I was like, no, I'm determined I'm going to go. 
there was a crazy torrential rainstorm, monsoon style, that was so bad that all the buses stopped running, Ugh. and I had to walk home in the rain with tears in my eyes. Jesus. And by all accounts, it was an incredible gig, so it's never really been the same for me since. And I don't think they're the same band since that record anyway. I feel like, you know, Era Vulgaris and... Uh, was like, it losing crazy Nick Oliveri? You've interviewed the man. Oh, I have, yeah. He didn't seem that crazy when I interviewed him. He actually seemed very polite and um, sat there quietly drinking a single Guinness. Wow. Um, so I had coffee and was a bit scared because he's been in a standoff with a SWAT team before. Look at you demystifying a character worse than 10 Hellraisers. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, this is not good. Like, it's particularly bad. And you don't expect bad. You expect kind of phoned in, fair enough, the stage of the career. But, like, this is awful. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just... For, first of all, the sound, it's, like, so thinny there's no bass when you think of tracks just off the last album alone like I Sat by the Ocean that kind of depth and that crunch and this is just actually irritating to listen to but we can't really blame Mark Ronson because the song itself is just so trash like it's such a cliched weird like rockabilly-esque kind of sound that we've I don't know it just seems cribbed from a thousand other songs so incredibly repetitive as well Um, when you sent this late on I was listening to it and I left the room for a minute and came back in and just assumed the song had started again it was no it was just still chugging along the only moment in it that kind of stood out to me was something that he did with his vocals a particular lilt that he's done before but in this one it was quite apparent and it made me think of a fabulous Malcolm McLaren song called About Her which is on the Kill Bill Volume 2 soundtrack so I just went and listened to that instead and I had a much better time for it yeah not good did we have a much better time though with our two albums this week first up it's Phoenix they're from France Craig give us some French there bonjour perfect this is... What song will we go with? Um, Tiamo. Title track. Alright, here it is. Their sixth album. That's right, listener. Sixth. When you first heard them, assuming you came to the party like we all did when they broke through into Europe and mainstream success in 2009 with Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix, that was their third record. They've been around since the late 90s. Yeah. They kind of came up with the likes of Daft Punk and, yeah. They're. Contemporaries for sure, yeah. yeah. Okay, first off, what do we think of Phoenix in general? A big fan. Um, I like. I don't think they're a band that are going to change your life, um, but I think they make consistently good records and... As I said earlier about All Twins, I mean, that kind of style of synth, poppy, rock, they've been doing this for a long time and kind of nailing it. I mean, they make make a, like a lot of those pop songs seem effortless. Um, I think there's also a bit of this, them being French kind of <laughs> puts a different slant on it and makes it a bit more palatable and makes it maybe seem a bit more sophisticated than it should be. They definitely do. I mean, the fact yeah. that uh, Tomas is married to Sofia Coppola, it's just like this, this kind of... Um, um, prestige about them yeah. within, within the world. Um, I'm never listened to a huge amount, but everything I've listened to, I kind of tend to, to quite like. Yeah. Um, I find them throwaway enough. I mean, like I feel like I I, I enjoyed the love affair in 2009. Kind of around that like the whole passion pit thing, really kicking off, Craig. The <laughs> I know, yeah, punk crazy scene. days, all punk scenes happening. <laughs> but I found them quite disposable and a bit of a fling, if you will. And yeah, <laughs> I like that. 
I'm sure they would. Yeah, I'm sure they'd appreciate it. But I agree with Craig. They are very good with pop sensibility. And I came to this record kind of hadn't really gotten on board the bankrupt train in 2013. I thought it was only really kind of just eh, whatever. And I kind of thought, oh, really? This week ain't looking great, Phoenix, really? And I threw it on. And you know what? I was pleasantly surprised. I really like this record. I don't think it's anything groundbreaking. I don't think it has much substance. But God damn, they know how to write a pop song. Yeah, and they've talked about making this record. And, uh, I mean, during the recording process, I mean, in Paris, it was around the time of the Bataclan attack and just kind of when everything in Europe was erupting. And they felt like they wanted to just make kind of happy music, which just so happens they're very good at. Um, so this is a weird thing, like Tiamo, obviously Italian, and they've taught it's 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 very strange that a kind of exotic French band are kind of heart, like desperately looking at this kind of romanticized version of Italy. You don't tend to think that if you were French, you'd be like. Apparently, he had some world class gelato, and that's what led to that. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of this weird. It's their like kind of idealized version of Europe, almost that they kind of just went to to try and get away from all the craziness and politics that's kind of engulfing um, the continent at the moment, and they really do pull it off like it just has that effortless kind of summertime feel there's some great references in there lots of food references it's kind of that sensual thing and some just great songs like i i I was kind of thinking am i tired of this synth pop sound i mean as i say around so much but then i was thinking well they did kind of start this trend and i listened to it just before coming over to the studio of the whole way through and every song i was like no this is a great song it's a very good song the whole way through it was quality. This is a very, very good record, I think. I think what's interesting is that um, you, you said that like they seem to make it look effortless. Mm. And maybe it's a thing that like other bands need to look at is that they've said that they, when they went to recording, um, they essentially recorded like three days worth, three full days worth of material and then whittled it down to like a really nice, lean 36 minutes. Yeah, yeah. If Brandon Flowers was sitting in this chair, he would say that it was USDA certified lean. Um, <laughs> what a lyric, by the way. <laughs> Beautiful, sorry. That I might be the pod title. That might be the pod title. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, they are, they're definitely like masters in the studio. Like, they, everything, there's nothing superfluous about what they do and um, everything is there, it serves a purpose and everything is so clean. Um I really like this record. I do wonder, like, what what do you think in terms of, like, they've kind of been defined by um, their hits before. So do you think that, that there is, like, a hit, something on the, the lines of uh, Listomania? Like, the yeah, title track for me is kind of the closest thing to it. But yeah, it probably doesn't hit quite those peaks. I mean, yeah, the chorus of Tiamo is fantastic. Tutti Fruit, like, that first four songs, I think, in a row, they're all pretty, like pretty strong i don't yeah i don't think there's a kind of breakout hit from this set but it's it's very consistent um yeah dave i fully agree with pretty much everything that's been said especially <laughs> that opening few tracks uh tutti frutti is great like it's it is. really really fun but like i had the same kind of thought process as you in as much as i was thinking am i sick of this am i sick of this kind of feather light surface level pop which is obviously kind of knowing and kind of synthy I was having a conversation with someone today about this, and he was like, oh, it just sounds like a Phoenix album. And I'm like, it does, but they broke out a guitar or two, man. But it does just sound like a Phoenix album, and sometimes maybe that's okay. And even like the, the record that we're going to talk about after this, I found myself struggling with both in as much as, how am I going to critically review these? Because I'm like, it just sounds like this album, it just sounds like that album. That's such a shit criticism. It's not even a criticism, it's just a bad commentary. At the same time, I mean, I guess it's like, stick to what you know, especially six albums in. But at the same time, there is a weird sense of reinvigoration here as well. 
And I think that stands up in just the songs and how kind of quick they are and how like they get to the point very, very fast. They're beautifully put together, elegantly arranged. Yeah. And there there is a bit of substance here, I think, because I mean there's You kinda of have to look for it. Yeah. Though. I mean it, it closes with Telefono, which is clearly Thomas Mars talking to his wife who's in a different country. And I think I usually hate those like I'm a band and I'm a, like I'm in a band and I'm away from my missus and but you know, I'm a rambling man. Can you please, he, please, 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 please tell your story about when you interviewed the singer from Hal? Oh, no, I don't want to just... I, I feel it's not like, slagging him off, it's just interesting. Uh, okay, so, lovely, lovely dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I can't tell this story. You it's have just, to. Uh, so, uh, okay. We're he was saying. in a relationship <laughs> with a girl who was on the British Isle. Um, he, was, he was on the phone to her and he decided to go to, like a Kleine man himself, go to the sea... <laughs> Stand there and say <laughs> she was on the opposite coast. <laughs> I can't say it, Dave. Do you want to say the line? No, you have to. No, no, go on. You go have on, to. Go on, go on, go on, You've already basically. Yeah. We know what's coming, so you might as well go just. On, Dave. You go, have on, to. go on, Dave. Go on, go on, go on. Okay, Craig won't do it. So <laughs> he's on the phone to, to, to the love of his life, I presume, and he's like, put your hand in the water and I'll do the same and we'll ripple out to each other and they'll meet in the middle. And I was like, wow. Yeah. If you didn't write an incredible song on that record, which they did in the form of Why Do You Come Here? A great band. What a way. song. Amazing song. If you've never heard it go and listen, but that's fucking funny. Um, yeah, but nothing is cringy on this. And uh, like even, again, it might be the French thing, like he gets away on this album with lines like he goes from unsophisticated soft rock to Beethoven's concertos. And you're just kind of like, that would sound absolutely lame if all twins not to rag on him we're singing that kind of thing do you know what I mean it just works because he's like this supremely cool French man I look um, at you like I can't say that about your man from hell but, <laughs> but I'll just throw all twins as an example under the bus anyone at random. that doesn't have a French accent is what I'm saying I let's feel, move on I feel, let's I feel, give ratings and move on I feel like right? a buried poor Craig here yeah for me this is a strong 7 out of 10 oh I'll give it an 8 I think it's good okay I'm also a seven. Cool. It's very enjoyable. It does sound like the summer. It's really, really fun to listen to. Give it a go. Up next, I mean, how do you preface this one? The singer from this band has gone back to school. And it sounds like this. No, wait, hang on. That's the Deftones. That's all wrong. Let's have a listen to Fleet Foxes and a cut off their new record. It's called Crack Up. Robin Pecknell has gone back to Columbia University, I believe. I love when this happens. I love when like Martin Sheen goes to Galway for a semester. I love when like famous people just show up with their books under their, their thing. And it's like, yeah, I happen to be in like Fleet Foxes, which are an interesting band. Uh, an interesting band in as much as I read a review of this today. And they were talking about how like the inevitable Father John Misty mentioned came along. There's yeah. ours. In as much as former touring drummer with the band has gone off to do his own thing. A lot of people kind of took it that his whole very exuberant and kind of ostentatious style may have come about because he may have felt curbed by being in the band that he was in and now that he's kind of free to do what he wants it's manifested this way so how will Robin Pecknold and Fleet Foxes respond turns out they've stuck to their guns 
I think they've accomplished something very, very special with this record, and by doing so, I admire them for that. I really enjoyed this record. At the same time, it's a Fleet Foxes record. Yeah, I mean, they've been away, what, six years, is it? Mm. It's a it's long a, time. It's a long six years, though, isn't it? Do, do you yeah, find, like, because we talked about gaps in albums before, but um, uh, even Robin Pagnall was, was saying that um, he kind of felt after they toured Help Mrs. Blues that there was a bit of folk fatigue. Yeah. So it was almost like he needed to go into like some sort of cryogenic yeah, chamber. Which made me like awake, him a lot more. Awake so. at another time when people would be okay with folk again. Yeah. Um, and I find it interesting that his peers in that time have kind of gone in different directions. So like when he when they were kind of at their height, you know, so was Bonnie Vare. And you look at where he's gone now. He's embraced electronics, dirty projectors, R&B. Free Foxes came back and they just made a Free Foxes record. That's like it's yeah. very similar to Helplessness Blues. It yeah. is very good. Um I mean it pretty much starts as the last record ended. Um yeah. which is kind of admirable. Um I mean Dave you kicked off by immediately start like saying okay, he went back to college and this is the record he made. Did you see the whole kerfuffle online about Oh, you didn't? Okay, so Stereo Gum did their premature evaluation review, which is a great kind of way of getting around that. Just, we're reviewing it right now. It's just yeah, out. first listen. That's cool. Um, Frame it the right way and I have no problem with you. Who hopped into the comments of it? Robin, Robin Beckno. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> yes. And I'm now going to show you how much he wrote, just passing this to Dave. That's a thesis. <laughs> That's a lot. A lot, a lot, a that lot. That Columbia undergrad has paid yeah. off. Peak journal commentary. Starts right there. with Tom. Sorry the record didn't do it for you. And then he goes on for maybe a thousand words. It looks like there's a lot of That's and another the thing. There's a lot of and another thing in there. It's very polite in a very passive aggressive way. <laughs> but it also says he misses the point in the review by saying that this is like his I've been in college record. Because he's like, well, actually, a lot of this music was done before I went to college. And actually, it's not just wordy and arcane. I'm talking about very modern stuff. And then he gets into a weird, like, I'm super woke thing where he, like, talks about being a straight white male and how he doesn't feel like he's culturally relevant as a human being and how right now all he wants to listen to is Frank Ocean, fair, Solange, fair, and, like, a few other people that aren't straight white males. Um, It's very odd. Then he tries to describe, like, everything that's going on the record and I think this was kind of my problem with this. Whilst I like, like, it's, there's admirable qualities and there's bits I enjoy. This is very overthought, I think. It's very long. The music is very good. But I think what he's trying to do, and he's, he's talked about it here, he's actually trying to ha- have some cultural relevance or kind of parse his way through what's going on right now. But it still sounds like he's Civil War era, like campfire songs. <laughs> That's true. It, feel, it feels like a weird disconnect for me that doesn't quite work. The aesthetic remains the same. Yeah. And it's not that I wanted some kind of rekindling of folk, but I enjoyed the... <laughs> You've been calling for that for years, Henry. It's true, I have, yeah. That's why I started the podcast in the first place. Finally here, 65 episodes in. Hey! Uh, <laughs> I, belo- I, belong, I belong to you, you belong to me. <laughs> Hey-ho. So look, um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of felt like it sat well in a weird, bizarre way with the Phoenix album, because they're completely fucking different. Mm. But I was like, this is kind of an odd parallel. Uh, didn't know all that, yeah, and it makes me have a, lot, have a lot of questions, and it flashes me all the way back to when I was in school with a chum, and he made a short film, it was dreadful, and he got wind that I was kind of slagging it off in my teenage youth, and told me that, of course you didn't understand the film, I wasn't there to explain it to you, and I'm yeah. like, if that's your argument, get out of the fucking game. If Robin Pecknell is wading into comments to deliver uh, an edict 
to a journalist who may or may not have got him wrong. And I guess in some respects did, and I'm sure in other respects didn't. That speaks to a very high level of insecurity. And also, you got to let your art be interpreted, you know? And that's worrying. But the strange thing is, on this record, he sounds quite confident. I wouldn't have thought that he he, he would have been so... I agree, yeah. I kind of It, it made me listen to the record a lot differently. So I can see of, why. Yeah. I'm, re- I'm, really, I'm, I'm actually really glad that I didn't know that until yeah. just this moment. It doesn't change my opinion of what I heard. I really like what I heard. As a matter of fact, you know, there's no obvious single on this. There's no Why Winter Hymnal or Blue Ridge Mountains. Fair enough. But I found that kind of part of the fun in that this was like a big jigsaw, a jigsaw puzzle to put together. And yeah, I mean, like, I found it very rewarding. And I will say this, though. You mentioned that's quite long. We've mentioned Father John Missy. Let's mention him one more time. Why not? The comparisons to pure comedy, if they're out there and if we're going to do them right now, I think it doesn't compare. I think pure comedy is a bit of a masterpiece. And that one justifies its kind of languorous nature. This one just about gets away with it at 55 minutes. But I will say, though, like, this felt like a record. This felt like, you know, a one-listen sitting, pay attention to it, you will be rewarded. But at the same time, very hard to unpack. But isn't that Flea Fox's whole thing? They have a certain style and they really stick to it. I I don't really agree with that because their first EP and their first album are incredibly easygoing and, um, you know, quite innocent. Like Robin Pecknell was really, again, if we're talking about people who are young, he's still only 31, but he, he seems to have the weight of the world on him at such a, such a young mm. age, even going back to the last album. Um, like, I do really, really like this record, but I found it it's a lot more uh, difficult to, to penetrate. There's a lot more going on in it. I feel like he's kind of, he's given the reins over to um, some of the owner band members to kind of, like Morgan Henderson, who kind of, who joined um, about the, the time of the last album, uh, to kind of add more into it. And um, yeah, there's like a lot of tempo changes in the songs. There's like three songs within a song. Um it's a lot to a lot to take in. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sonically it has that epic thing and it's shifting. It's kind of like this, you know, rushing river. And it sounds like it sounds great. They're a terrific band and they're like a band that don't get a lot of and I'm totally not this guy that's like all oh, real musicians, but they're like you can hear that this is nothing that they won't be able to recreate in a live setting and that's phenomenal because it's so intricate and there's so, so much stuff going on. Um but what what it lacks for me is that there's moments where he is kind of the singer of focus and um, 3rd of May was one of the first things we, I think it was the first thing we heard from him. I still think that opening of that song is the standout. I mean, melodically, it just grabs you. There's other moments like that where he just nails it, but it's kind of swept along with all these other ideas. And before you can kind of latch onto it too much, you're onto something else that kind of sounds quite pretty. But then like, what he's doing is a bit kind of one note it just seems like a bit of an unfocused saga for me. I'd actually say that it's quite focused, but I know where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, there's a permanence to this one, and you got to really commit to it, which is a good thing. It's a good thing in music. I appreciate it, but you don't necessarily want every record to be like this. Crack Up is the name of this record. I mean, I'm giving it 7.5, but the weird thing is, and to show you how much I think ratings are bullshit, I enjoyed the Phoenix record a lot more. And if, I, and if someone was like, what will I listen to? I'm saying, go listen to the Phoenix one. It's fun. But this is your classic, I admired it rather than I loved it. But I did I like it. I did like it. I think it's good. Yeah, I'm going to go maybe 5.56. Pitchfork over here, huh? Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to go uh, 7.5. I really enjoy it. Uh, 
not the ideal terms of listening to the NPR stream for it. I feel like it's a record you want to get and sit down and really kind That's of true, yeah, dig into because yeah. there's a, a lot going on there. Well, as a matter of fact, across town at this very moment, next week's co-host, Zara Hederman, who will be making her return, is currently at some kind of hipster wine gathering where they're playing it on vinyl and she's chatting about it. So, uh, yeah. That sounds nice. Maybe that's the setting that it should <laughs> that have been. That sounds nice. <laughs> so, is there anything else that we should be listening to, whether it's new, old, or indifferent? Uh, did, like the last record that just there inspired me to go back and listen to Dennis Wilson's um, kind of forgotten masterpiece, Pacific Ocean Blue, just because, it, like, you know, big Beach Boys fan, and obviously Fee Foxes were influenced by them. And the way they've kind of gone, it has that kind of Beach Boysy thing, but it's very mournful and it's it's really great if you haven't heard it. So, that's great. Um, I've been listening to Amber Kaufman's uh, debut record. So she um, used to be in Dirty Projectors and she left uh, after she split up with um, kind of lead singer, band leader of Dirty Projectors, David Longstreet. So um, he brought a record out earlier this year that kind of dealt with their breakup a lot. And her record also does that. He's also co-produced it and wrote a lot of it. So um, it's like the good version. (laughs) Yeah, they, they seem to have moved on and kind of, sort of things out so it, it's it's like a good version of what that uh, Lemonade and the, the supposed Jay-Z album that was going to come out oh uh, yeah yeah I forgot so, about that yeah it's interesting seeing two sides of the breakup his is quite caustic at times and quite ugly and hers is just she seems empowered by it um, it's a really good R&B pop record as well and interestingly they both end on the same song they, they've they used the same uh, beats and basically crafted something different that kind of is a uh, very good. That's so it's cool. a Damien Rice Bellex One situation, is what I'm hearing here. <laughs> Fair enough. Listen back to our revisit episode when we covered 2002 for Paul Noon of Bellex One chatting about Damien Rice. That sounds salacious, but it's actually a really good episode and he was great on it. I must- As was I. Yeah, you were good, man. I wouldn't say you were great. He was great. As was Jane Gannon was great. I was great. You were terrific. Kieran was awesome, and you were good. Thank you. You were good. Thanks for the good episode. 2002 Revisit. If you haven't heard it before, go subscribe to the show properly and you'll get it in the feed. I have been listening to... You mentioned Nicholas Winding Refn earlier on. I got back into the Neon Demon soundtrack, which is out last year, which I think is a great soundtrack. Cliff Martinez is a phenomenal, phenomenal composer. Craig Craig has some skin in this game, though. His boy Johnny Jewell was usurped by Cliff Martinez for the Drive soundtrack. He was, yeah. I mean, I remember talking to my boy Johnny about this, and he was a bit upset. At the time, he was really happy that he was going to get to do the soundtrack for um, the Logan's Run remake that never happened. With, it still uh, might. It probably yeah, won't. but it won't happen with those people or him, no, I don't no, think. No, no. no he's actually- um, but he's it's fine because he's run. been like contributing hugely to Twin Peaks, and I've actually also been listening to Windswept, which is featured oh, a lot recently. That's incredible, amazing. Like so, if yeah. that if that just becomes, and I kind of feel that he's eating Angelo Badalamenti's lunch because it's like yeah. Angelo Badalamenti <laughs> is there on every opening credits, but like he's hardly in it. And yeah. then Johnny Jill's just like, oh yeah, I'm in here. I basically created I feel a theme like he's for Lynch's new for m- muse kind of musically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I have also been listening again to one of the best reviewed records on No Encore this year and one of my personal favorites from this year, the horror record, or if Cullen was here, he oh, would nine, say, nine, 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 oh, nine, 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 nine. They're playing the Workman's Club on Monday. I'm going to be there. I cannot fucking wait. They're an incredible live force. I love the record. So I'm getting back into it. That's called United States of Horror. It's great. You a fan? Um, they supported Dillinger in Nottingham. Oh, man! <laughs> But I was drinking cans in my hotel room, so I didn't see them. Oh, were they beautiful cans like these cans that we have in front of us? These uh, Spanish... They were cans of red stripe, if you must know. That sounds violent. (laughs) Was it violent? It was in Nottingham. I can't believe you missed them. They're fucking great. Come to the workman's. It's going to be awesome. So, normally, 
when we exit the show, we play a new Irish track. But this week it was just so stacked with tracks of the week, and one of which I was quite taken by. I'm going to play it's short and sweet and sour and all those good things. Before we get to that, Craig and Dave, thank you so, 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 so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, as, as always. always. <laughs> Thanks, man. Good to have you back. We'll have you back again for yeah. sure. Woo! Yes. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been applauded at the end. Well, there you go, man. It was oh. that good. Well, so you're more of a Diplo kind of guy? Is that what you're saying? Wrap it up with some music. Hey, uh, okay, so uh, next week Cullen will still be away because that man just loves the holiday. So as I said, Zara Hedeman will be joining us. She's great. And to play us out this week, uh, Wolf Alice have returned with a track that I was not expecting them to return with. This is about like two minutes of pure noise and barrage of sourness, and I think it's fucking great. I only got the pun today, which is shameful on me. As I say, Zara's in next week. Her pun game's better than mine. She would have seen right through it. This song is called Yuck Fu. I think it's fucking great. My name is Dave Hanrady. This has been No Encore. There will be no encore. And here's Wolf Alice. Catch you later. Network. See headstuff.org for more details. Okay, and that takes us out of the Fanula section. <laughs> Alan, I hope you know where to put that in. Introducing Peacock, the new free streaming service from NBC Universal. It's hit movies, current shows, live sports, trending bits, and timeless hits. And that's why you can't not watch. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at peacocktv.com. Law and Order SVU streaming now. 
Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 